He was sexually abused as a child for years. He's here to talk about the warning signs, what everyone should be aware of, and how it motivates him to help others today. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. In the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show, we are joined by special guests talking about their experiences, their realities of investigating crimes, plus those who have experienced horrendous trauma, police, first responders, military, and victims of crime share their stories. Hi, I'm John J. Wiley. In addition to being a broadcaster, I'm also a retired police sergeant. Be sure to check out our website, letradio.com, and also like us on Facebook. Search for the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. I want to tell you about a product, actually a line of products, that have changed my life dramatically. Juice Plus health products. I know many of you, like me, are skeptical about claims made for these nutritional supplements. However, these Juice Plus products have made a world of difference for me. The simplest, cheapest, least expensive product they have as a result of taking it a chewable berry flavored product. I've had full night's sleep every night and zero leg cramps. I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but getting good night's sleep and having a stable mood helps me quite a bit. You can get more details about Juice Plus products at letpops.com. That's letpops.com. And for those of you looking for a great business opportunity, check out letpops.com. Connecting with us from Oregon, we have Hunter Allen on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Hunter was sexually abused for years as a child. He's here to talk about his recovery, his life after, how it motivates what he does today to help people, and some of the warning signs that people, all of us, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, community members, need to be aware of when it comes to sexual child abuse. Hunter, thanks for so much for coming on the show and being willing to tell your story, because I, I know I, I can only imagine it's probably not one that's easy to tell. Hey, John. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's not that it's a hard story to tell. It's a story that needs to be told. It does and need for to be me, told. I, yeah, I've never had an issue talking about it, my friend. Well, that's good to know, because um, one thing I don't want to do is, and by the way, for people who are not sure about the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show, about 30% of my guests are, are cops, active, retired, talk about investigating crime. The rest, about 70% of my guests are law enforcement officers, other first responders, military, victims of crime, their spouses or survivors, talking about trauma they went through, how it impacted them, and how they built their lives after. So if you're interested in being guests on the show, just reach out. Go to letradio.com or send me an email, jay at letradio.com. You're right, Hunter. This is something that needs to be told. And I'd imagine, I went to your website, tigtactical.com. That's T-I-G, tactical.com. Saw a picture of you, and you're probably just a, a couple years younger than me. And you would think that we as a society would be beyond this, but we're not. That's exactly true. It's, still it's only continues. the beginning. It's been going on for years, and I don't believe it will ever stop. And here's my my philosophy. My wife, I call her the boss, will tell you that when it comes to sexual predators, uh, especially those who prey on children, my solution is what some people would say is barbaric. It is extreme. Uh, but I don't think it's out of line. And and I really don't believe you can rehabil rehabilitate these people. Agreed. 
so you went through this. You started as a young child. How old were you when it started? I was six. That's really young. I Look, brother, I can't even remember being six years old. I'll tell you the truth <laughs> right now. <laughs> I had my eyes examined for glasses last yesterday. I was easily the oldest person in the waiting room. Uh, <laughs> however, the dermatologist's office, it's the other way around. I'm usually the youngest. But six go. years old, were, was this a traditional nuclear family arrangement you were in, or were you in some special arrangements? No, I was actually adopted away from the house by my birth mother. She gave me away when I was six to literally strangers. Um, it was people that were met through a local church. Um, I guess my real mom and father, there was a lot of issues with the marriage. She cheated on her husband, yada, yada, yada. Um, I was the, the, the child, the child, so to speak. And um, one day she just decided she had enough. So she contacted a local church who said there was a nice couple that had a daughter, and um, they would watch me for a couple of weeks while mom got her, her act together, let's just say. And I stayed with these people for two weeks. I thought they were very different. They were friendly to me at the time. Uh, but they were just different. I didn't know them, so I was kind of scared. And then I went back to mom's. And about a week after that, the pastor from the local church, who I had just met a couple weeks previously, showed up at my house again. And he started asking me questions if uh, I liked the people that I stayed with. And I was, well, okay, yeah, they were quite nice to me at the time. So confused. He goes, well, would you go back and stay with them for a little bit longer? Well, okay, you know, I'm <laughs> looking at my mom, trying to figure out what's going on here. And a couple of days later, she's at the front door handing me a suitcase and crying. And I'm a little kid. And I looked up at her, and I remember drying her tears with my hand. And I said, it'll be okay. I'll be back soon. And I had no idea what that meant or why I was leaving. Well, I never went back. So she gave me away. And um, the people, the first, I want to say, few months were pretty decent. They had a daughter that they had adopted as well. And she started doing things to me almost immediately. So I was six, and she was at the time 14, and um, started touching me. I'm a little kid. I don't know anything about this. So I really, what do you do? You just do what you're told. And you're kind um, of defenseless, to be honest with you. At that age, you totally. don't even know what to do. No, totally. And she had a habit of pinching, pinching your skin. Well, when you're a little kid, you're not that tough. <laughs> and here's this 14-year-old girl that would pinch you when she wanted you to do something, and you realized it hurt. And so you would do what she said. And the threat started right away. Don't tell anybody, yada, yada, yada. Um, went with it. What could you do? And then I turned right before we turned seven, so now we're going to Christmas time. And I remember Christmas morning, I looked at these people. I had no idea they adopted me. I did not know that they were considered my parents at the time. And I asked where my mom was. And the abuse from the physical abuse started then from them, from the mother. Um, I cried when I heard I wasn't going home, and she slapped me in the face. Now I was totally confused. I'm like, wait a minute. Nobody has ever hit me before. And I asked an innocent question. I want to see my mom, and I was upset. Um this lady continued to beat on me for quite some time through the years. And the daughter got more aggressive with the sexual behavior where she would like try to say, let's just say, try to mount me. I'm a little kid. It's not working. Right. right. <laughs> do the math in your mind. But she would have me do things to her and insist it was okay and never tell anybody though. That was always the big thing. So I knew it was wrong. 
but she was a girl. And even though she was hurting me, she was a girl. And I always had this thing that women are precious. I mean, I loved my real mom. I loved women. Even as a little boy, I knew my aunts were good to me. Um, and I respected adults. So I never said anything. I never did anything. And that went on with her for quite some time. Um, then let's fast forward to a nine-year-old child. And there was an older boy. He was 16 that lived in the neighborhood. And I would see him on my way to school. And, you know, he was, let's just say, um, he wasn't very nice. You know, he'd call you little names and stuff like that and make you feel inferior about yourself. And one day after school, I'm walking home from the bus, and this kid called me over to his house. He goes, hey, come here. I want to show you something. And he had a, a model car, a little gas-powered model car, which I was quite fascinated with. So we played with the car for a little bit, and the next thing you know, I'm in his garage, and he shuts the garage door. Um, now I'm really confused. <laughs> and I'll never forget this. Um, you know, you, you laugh. You say that you can't remember your six-year-old, like, what it was like. I remember from the time I was, like, talking my entire life because it was taken away from me. Yeah. And it's something you never, ever, ever forget. So this particular day, we're in this kid's garage, and now I'm kind of nervous. And he opened a little jackknife, a little folding jackknife, and he put it to my throat. And then he picked up a penny, or a penny of all things, that was on this little workbench in his garage, his dad's garage. And he said, I'm going to cut your throat, and I'm going to slide this into your throat, and you won't be able to breathe, and you'll die. That's uh, crazy. <laughs> We're going to take a short break. And We're talking with Hunter Allen. On the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show, when we return, we're going to talk more about the, the, the sexual abuse he endured as a child, the physical abuse he endured as a child, how it impacted him, the warning signs we all need to be aware of, and how it motivates what he does today. I'll give you a hint. Check out his website, tigtactical.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Are you looking for great products that can be game changers for people, for their physical health, for their overall well-being? Go to letpops.com. That's letpops.com. I take these Juice Plus products. They make a world of difference for me. Better energy. I sleep better every night. Full night sleep every night. Zero leg cramps and more. Many people will tell you about the wonderful things that these products do for them. Plus, it can be a phenomenal business opportunity. You can help people improve their lives and for a very small fee, get a complete backend, complete website, zero inventory, no shipping, none of that stuff. Get full details on our website, letpops.com. That is letpops.com. Return our conversation with Hunter Allen on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Hunter endured years of childhood sexual abuse and physical abuse. He's here to tell his story, what he went through, how it impacted him, the warning signs we all need to be aware of, and how it motivates what he does today, which is training self-defense. And I'll tell you, get more details about him, his fascinating story, his services online. His website is Tig. Tactical.com. That's T-I-G Tactical.com. Before we went to break, Hunter, and, and, and here's the thing. My, my childhood was like everybody else's. I'm of a certain age where we were just raised differently. But the things you're talking about never occurred with me. Right. Uh, so when someone says to me, 
and my sisters do this all the time. I, one goes, I remember when I was 18 months old, I'm like, dude, I can't remember being 12. I can't remember 13 or 14. And, and, and to be honest with you, high school is a blur. So when you talk about remembering things clearly, starting at six years of age, at first, part of me goes, yeah, right. But then I hear the reasons why, and I'm like, okay. Right. And, and here's the thing. We talk about therapy all the time, and it's a great tool. It really did wonders for me. Being, you said, given away by your mother for adoption, right? That's that's a heavy hit. That's a heavy right. hit. And then to have those things happen after that, on top of it, dude, I don't know how you're alive and breathing. That's it's different. It's different, you know. Um, I think it's everybody. We all have our inner strengths. Whether or not we ever discover it or mature it is up to us as individuals. I'm a strong guy, and even as a kid, obviously, I was pretty strong. I was pretty tough. Um, mentally, it does not mean that I was not crushed and I wasn't lost because I was lost. Um, you know, we were talking, I'll get back to where we were in our tale, but I started drinking alcohol when I was eight and I would numb myself. Uh-huh. The people that adopted me, they did not drink very much, but they had a lot of liquor. They, they made good money and they entertained a lot. So there was a lot of liquor and, um, you know, I started finding it. And I realized at a young age, I could take vodka and mix it with fruit juice that nobody would know. Or I could drink a little wine and nobody would know. And I guess I started doing that to self-medicate without even knowing what that meant. But right. I know it made me feel better. And that's, that's and really one of the, the, the warning signs, that the, the typical warning signs, self-medicating, absolutely. acting out with alcohol, drugs. We'll talk about that stuff in a moment. Absolutely. But when we went to break, you got pulled into the garage by this kid who's yeah. a bully. For, for yep. any other, there's no other way of putting it. Uh, no, and, and then he threatened to kill you with a pocket knife. Yep. And uh, how old were you? Were you like nine? Is that what you said? I was 90 years old, yes. In fact, now I had lived with these the other people for three years at that point in time. And I was physically abused nonstop. I didn't want to get hurt. So whatever this kid said to do, I, I would just do it. And it turned sexual very, very quickly. Um, said he was 16 years old. So to me, he was a lot bigger than me and a lot stronger than me. Yeah. And he told me that I was going to do certain things and I better not ever tell anybody or he would come back and he would get me. And so I did what he asked and he wasn't nice. Jay. He wasn't nice at all. Um, I guess if he was nice to me at the time or said, well, Hunter, you're going to have oral sex with me or you're going to do this at the other thing. I would have done it just so he didn't hurt me, but he forced me at the same time, which I was very confused. It's not like I stood there yelling at him, telling him, no, you know, I'll tell my mom. I just stood there and did what he asked, and he made it hurt, everything he did to me, and I didn't have a choice. And this happened from him on three different occasions. Wow. And, you know, some people would probably think, well, why didn't you go home and tell? I was being abused at the house, and I was being beaten at the house. Well, I, I, I would say this. You didn't death. have a safe zone. You didn't have a, 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 no. a, a safe harbor where you can say, by no. the way, this is happening. I had none, none. And I would go home, and I wouldn't say anything. And the next thing you know, the, the abuse would be at the house or the physical abuse would be at the house. I said nothing. And this guy got me three times. And the second time was just as brutal as the first. The third time was a little different scenario. He was actually kind of nice to me. And it sounds really, really twisted. I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it. I wish it never happened. And I wanted him dead in my mind. Right. 
but right. he didn't hurt me the third time as far as outside of the pain from what was happening to I me. got to ask you this, and I feel uncomfortable yep. asking this. Do you feel compelled to say, you know, what you said, that I didn't like this, I was angry, but I was compliant? Is it what now? That? Do you feel compelled by uh, societal reasons or whatever? That, like, I got to give the disclaimer, I didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah, I, look, yeah. You, you don't owe that to me. Uh, you don't owe that to anybody, as a matter of fact. So I'll stop the cheerleading bit and the, the, the motivational coaching thing. Uh, one of the things that I did as a cop, and we talked, we were trained early on, and one of the hardest things was sexual abuse, uh, rapes, yeah. and other things. And we were taught, look, you just tell the people, especially children, you, you, you're not you don't have to defend yourself you don't have to right. justify what happened just tell me right. what happened and that's what you're doing and it's it's hard Jack, because don't forget as a child especially as a boy um it, it's hard it's hard for girls and I'm, I'm not discrediting anything that happens to females but for a boy you're supposed to be a boy you're supposed to be macho you're supposed to be the ball player or throw a football you're not supposed to be somebody's sex toy. Yeah, from a young age. And there, there's, there's monikers that go with that, you know. As a little kid, of course, little kids joke with each other, call each other. We're joking, and we're just stupid. We're kids. Right. But when it's referred to you in different ways, then you think, oh, my God, you know, what's happening here? One and of the things— Yeah, I had no safe haven. I had nobody that I could yeah. talk to about it or share it with. I had me, and that was it. How long did this continue? You started at six, and now you're at nine. How much longer? Yep. Till I was well, the, the physical abuse um, went on until I was 16 years old. But the sexual abuse, the last time I got it, I was 11, and that was by a different person. I said, I'm glad you're here telling the story because it, it's, you said earlier on, it's, it's one that needs to be told. And we're going to transition yeah. into what are some of the warning signs from someone who's been there in a moment. I could tell you what I've been taught, but you know, I've okay. never been through this. I, the only thing right. I can come close to is I remember being a little boy and right. it was probably around seventh grade, sixth grade, whatever. And I became a fighter. Uh, and okay. I was uh, the redheaded kid with freckles and, and get picked on. And I'd lose every fight because I was the smallest kid there was at the time. <laughs> but you kind of had this mindset of, and I'd go home crying, whatever it might be, but you would fight. And right. that was, I don't know where that came from, Hunter, but somewhere in my mind, it's like, that's what boys do. And right. this is your role, whether you like it or not, this is it. Absolutely. It's, it's okay. So for for a warning side, let's just say because um, I've dealt with this a lot as an adult with other people, and you try to help people. I would look at people, and I know I probably looked like a deer in the headlights, and the smiles were fake. You know what I mean? I, I was taught to be polite and smile at adults, and yes sir, no sir, yada yada yada. But if anybody really would have took the time to look at me, they could have read. I was telling the story with my eyes with my body, with the way I would move, with the way I would sit there. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of all, all posed. We're, we're going to take a short break, and we're turn. I promise you, we're going to get more into the signs, the warning signs, what everyone should be aware of. We're talking with Hunter Allen. This is a law enforcement talk radio show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. I have some exciting news to share with you. You are going to love my Your Diet Do-Over Do-It-Yourself course on HarmonyWithFood.com, which means you could do everything at your own pace. I put my heart and soul into this course. Have you been on every diet there is only to gain the weight back? 
If your relationship with food is, well, not that good, you should purchase the Your Diet Do-Over course. Go over to harnwithfood.com, click the Your Diet Do-Over tab, and get started today. What is the Haunting or Not podcast? It's a free podcast that takes a different approach to ghost stories, hauntings, and cases of demonic forces. Husband and wife podcast hosts mix comedy, facts, and a healthy dose of police evidence skepticism to help you decide. Are these hauntings or not? Helping you decide what's real and what is fake or an overhyped exaggeration. From world-famous cases to lesser-known reports, they talk about them all in the Haunting or Not podcast, available for free on most podcast platforms. Or do a Google search for Haunting or Not podcast. Return conversation with Hunter Allen on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Hunter was sexually abused, physically abused as a child for years. And when we return to the conversation, we're going to get into some of the warning signs that he, from his experience, what you need to be aware of. But you need to know that a lot of what he went through motivates what he does today. You can get more information about that. I promise you we'll explain more at TIGTactical.com. That's T-I-G Tactical.com. It involves self-defense training. Hunter, before we went to break, you're talking about some of the, the, the warning signs. Um, and yeah. I get... The whole thing of we have a role to play, and I've got to put it on the happy face and all that stuff. And by the way, people need to realize their predators, the sexual predators, are really good at blending in uh, and getting access to our children. Um, and we need to be aware of those who seem to be, and I'm air quoting, the safest, because sometimes they're not. This is true. And uh, people don't realize. I mean, I talk with many, many people with with my, my, my job and, and throughout the day. And I hear different opinions, and there's a big thing going on right now, a big push in the country for human trafficking. Um, they just released a, a big movie that came out a few weeks ago. I went to see it myself, and it was geared at one aspect of trafficking and sexuality against children, how kids are groomed at a young age. And the groomers, naturally, whether it is a, a coach, a teacher, a dance instructor, a neighbor, they know how to groom that child to make that child comfortable with them. But it goes so, so, so far beyond that. Um, stereotypical for what you see and what the media tells you is this is the way it works every time. That's, that's bull. It's, yeah. it's not every time. It's, there's a thousand different ways to do almost any skill in life. Well, to the sexual predator, there's a thousand ways they can get at you if they want to. Um, in my case, I had it two different ways. I had it by force and then I had it by somebody that was just so unbelievably nice to me and seemed caring, that was the last person that got me the last guy, that um, I just let him do what he wanted because he was nice because I was tired of being hurt. I was tired of being abused. I was tired of being ordered around. Um, so that's another type of groomer, though. I, you know? I get that. That man, I'm sure, looked at me and saw I, w I was crushed. I was beyond crushed inside. But I was, I was a tough little kid, and I wasn't going to give up on life. And he fully took advantage of that situation. And now I think about it as an adult, I'm furious. I'm like, right. how dare you That's do this the, the to part any child? I was going to bring up, how old are you now? I am 62 years old. So you're a 62-year-old man looking back and talking about times when you're 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12 years of age. And Absolutely. we look at life as an adult, and we try to explain situations which are unexplainable and totally illogical. Yes and try to make sense of it in our mind. And, and quite often mm -hmm. there's gotta be a point where you go, I, I just don't get it. I don't know, but this is what well, happened. 
Because I, to the average person, to you or I, we're reasonable people. We're smart people. We're caring people and loving people. The predators are not. They they are the scum of the earth that will be what you what they what they think you need them to be at the time when they're trying to get you, and then if they can't present themselves in a way that you'll accept, then they just take what they want anyway, and then the violence comes into it. Um, it, it it plays with your mind, right? And I know other people that have gone through this. That oh my God, Jay, they're they're, they're drug addicts. They they they're, they're alcoholics. They're drug addicts. They can't function in life. Right. They they destroy their lives. They, they, they absolutely destroy their lives and go down the worst path, po- path possible. Huge. Huge. And I was a different breed of animal. I was a strong-minded person. There's no way. You're not going to beat me. You're not going to destroy me. You're not going to take me away from me. And at, the, at that time, I was still trying to figure out who I was. Right. I was the little boy that was given up for adoption. That's how I saw myself, as that person that left my mom's side that loved my family and my brothers and sisters and thought they were, they were angels in my mind. And all of a sudden I was taken away from them and everything I went through in me, I was still that little kid wondering whatever happened to me and I didn't want to lose me. And ironically, the, the people that adopted me, um, and it was more so that the, the daughter was the abuser sexually. The mother was the evil physical person that was, clinically insane i mean the stuff she did was insane and even now as an adult i'm looking back and i'm like oh my god how could you do that i met her again when i was 33 years old and i remember looking at her and asking her why and that was my question why why did you do all the things to me you did and she looked at me with a very straight face and she goes i wanted to break you <laughs> now, mind blown i'm like excuse me she goes i wanted to break you i said why she goes, you, you're a, a musician, you're a pilot, you're a martial artist, you're all these things throughout your life. I was nothing. Excuse me? She goes, even as a little boy, you weren't afraid of anything. You would try it, and you would do it, and you would figure it out, and you were curious. She goes, as a kid, I had no talents. Mind blown. I said, yeah. so, so everything that I went through from you personally was because you were jealous of a child that you adopted. That's sick. And I'm sure there was no resolution for you. And we would love, we, we get conditioned to this thing that Hollywood puts out that there's a the big happy ending. There's a resolution. Yeah. All, all of a sudden, everything's wrapped up in an hour uh, through television. <laughs> you, you never got that. You never got the explanation of this is why it occurred. Never. Never. And I mean, you know, if we if we had more time and you and I chatted personally and I tell you some stories, I'd blow your mind. Well, I, my mind is I'm already amazed. blown. I don't need it. <laughs> I don't need to explode it anymore. I, I, I got to go amazed back. I'm not like criminally insane myself. Yeah, but that's, I'm not. The, that's the part I was going to get to because you talked about self-medicating with alcohol. And, you know, yeah. Hollywood will have us believe that everybody who's sexually abused as a child or physically abused as right. a child is going to act out with drugs, alcohol. They're going to turn to a life of crime. They'll be fighting. Right. Uh, they'll be skipping school. Their grades will suffer. Are, were those all things that occurred with you? No, the, the alcohol, yes. And nobody knew. Um, it's like a, not like I was a, a drunken kid, but I had a buzz going on like all the time. And I couldn't handle it without it. I wanted that feeling because then it made everything feel a little bit better. But at school, yeah, my grades would suffer. Now, mind you, I'm getting like both sexually abused at home, but I'm getting beaten at home in some really sick ways. So I would go to school and I would get in fights. And it was against the bullies. It was never against, you know, the average Joe or your friend that called you a name. 
it was the bullies that I could already see they were bullies. I would fight them, and then I would get in trouble at school. So that was my school story. Um, I was I was pleasant. I was polite. I was nice to my teachers. I wasn't a defiant type kid. But when somebody tried to intimidate me, even as a teacher, now you're not getting anything back out of me. So, you know, if a teacher says, hey, Hunter, you got to do your homework and, and learn this, and I, I would do it. When they say, you better do this and that, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> right, and then, of course, I'd get in more trouble at home, but I didn't care. I'm thinking I'm already being bullied and, you know, controlled, per se, at home in a really weird way. Nobody else is going to do this to me. And then, ironically, at 11 years old, I asked the, 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 the evil, my monster, as I call her, if I could start taking self-defense, martial arts. And she said, as long as I paid for it. And I did. And I delivered papers and washed cars and cut grass and went to the grocery store for people and did anything I could do to start training in self-defense. That's the rest of my life story. (laughs) And that's a big motivation to do what you do today. Uh, I got to say this. When we talk about the the stereotypical warning signs of a kid who's being abused, you had maybe one or two of them. You didn't have all of them, did you? I didn't. But a lot of the ones that do it, they'll go to the extreme. They'll say, okay, now I just want to be drunk or I want the drugs or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break into my neighbor's house and show it after the fight. My thing was I did the drinking on my own, um, but I tried to let people know what was happening to me without coming right out and saying it. And I would tell a teacher. I would tell a neighbor. I would look at them, and I'd say, you know, things don't, aren't – and I, I remember saying as a child, things are not what they appear to be in my house. And they would just look at you. And I swear, and I I know I'm right on this, some of them do. They saw right through it. They knew it was happening. They didn't do anything. You know, growing up in the 70s. That's my my biggest complaint is that we have an obligation to do something. If you suspect something, here's what I tell people all the time. God gave you instincts for a reason, or Mother Nature, whatever it is. If something makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up, trust those. Trust those yeah. feelings. You can always apologize later on. We are talking with Hunter Allen on the Law Enforcement Talk radio show. He's sexually abused, physically abused for years as a child. When we return, we're going to wrap up about the warning signs and get into how it motivates him to do what he does today. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Get access to free podcast versions of the show and more on Facebook. Do a search for the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and be sure to click like. And if you're on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app, be sure to look for me and follow me. My name's John, the letter J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. You can also search for at L-E-T Radio Show. That's John J. Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, at L.E.T. Radio Show on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. Turn to our conversation on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show with Hunter Allen. By the way, you can get access to past episodes at our website, letradio.com. Anytime, they are free. And if you ever need to reach out to me, you can do it right there. That's letradio.com. Now, Hunter was physically and sexually abused as a child for years. And we were talking about 
the warning signs that people need to be aware of. If you see something, if you suspect something, something makes you uncomfortable, there's a good reason why you should follow it. And by the way, Hunter's website is tigtactical.com. It's T-I-G tactical.com. We will talk about that in a moment. Last warning sign that you would give from your experience to everybody else. This is the classic thing that people need to look out for. I say watch the child intently. When you talk to somebody, talk to them. As they're speaking to you, listen to what they're saying to you. The problem we have as a society, most people don't. You know, I could be having a conversation, not with you specifically, but with the average person. They don't care what I'm saying. They're hearing what they want to hear out of the conversation. When you're talking to a child, watch the way the child walks. Watch the way they talk. Watch how they look at other people in the room. Um, if a man walks by and that kid just looks kind of cringy or if a woman walks by or if one of their relatives comes into the equation and all of a sudden starts controlling the situation, watch that child intently. You, they will, they're telling you a story, whether they know it or not. They are letting you know, this is happening to me right now. I need help. I am afraid or I'm petrified right now. You can see it. You can see when a happy kid is in a room or, or a family that like, uh, let's say the Griswolds, right? <laughs> right? They're happy. You see them on TV or leave it to Beaver. They're happy, happy, happy. They're all happy in, in each other's presence. You can always tell when a kid's not happy and read it. It doesn't always have to be a, an outburst of bad behavior or anything. It could just be a kid that you might think they're a little shy or they're a little different or wait a minute, you know, 20 minutes ago, you were acting like this. What just changed? Figure it out. Um, you could also ask the child, man, you know, if anybody would have asked me, I would have told them. And no matter what, I would have told them. Nobody ever took the time to ask me. And by the way, it's if like a kid tells you care. that they're being sexually abused, believe them. There's a certain age. Absolutely. I don't know what it is, but they, they don't think like adults. The, those thoughts don't no. come in their mind naturally. Someone introduced that to them. So when they tell you yeah. this happened, believe them. I, I know a lot of people don't want to, but please, please do believe them. I want to make you a transition a very very quickly, because you as an adult, at some part in your life, you must have said, all right, this is the hand I was dealt, and I got to do something oh, yeah. to create a different life. What did Was there a cataclysmic event that, that triggered this? There was. And it was the last time that, well, I always wanted to be able to do something to not let myself get hurt anymore. The last person that had, uh, he raped me when I was 11 years old. He was a 45-year-old man, and he was very gentle and very loving and very caring. And I already knew what he wanted, so I let him do it, uh, whatever. To me, it, even at that age, sex was sex. Love was love. Anger's anger. But sex was just sex. It's something that if I can use my body and you don't hurt me, take it. I really don't care anymore. And that's how I felt. But at the same time, one day I realized I don't want to let people have that control of me anymore. So I started fighting. I started to learn how to fight. Um, I've been a martial artist now for 51 years. Right. So I started at 11. I never stopped. I've mastered multiple styles. Um, I knew then, even at 11, one day I'm going to help people. 16 years old, I left home. I turned 16. The people drove me to school for the day. I never went back. And ironically, you know, growing up in California, if you uh, ran away back in the 70s, you went to juvenile hall. So I spent 10 months at juvenile hall, <laughs> um, just because I refused to go back to their home. I said, no, I'm done. I'm done. And uh, wanted to make a difference in other people's lives. And ever since that moment, I've been on my own since 16, ever since that moment, anybody who needs me to help them get out of the situation that I was in, I've been there a thousand percent for them. 
and I still am today. I am very, very active in what I do to prevent people from living the life I had to live. Make sense? Does that kind of motivate you, the pain of your past motivate you to do what you're doing today? Absolutely. That's a thousand percent what motivates me. And the reason why I asked that, I, I knew the answer already, Hunter, was I'm going, and my experience is not like yours. You know, I, right. I said earlier I was a small kid, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, I was very small. I remember I was being five foot two, 110 pounds at the like June of the end of my sophomore year. When I came back okay. to, to high school in September, I was six foot tall, 180 pounds, and had this voice. <laughs> And, f- and from that point on, no one ever messed with me again. And I, I would sit <laughs> I there and fantasize about all these bullies that were when I was in, you know, eighth grade. Man, they see, right. I see them now. I'm going to give them something. I'm going to give them. I'm going <laughs> to set it right. That never occurred. And I got to ask this. Did you ever find yourself wanting to take the skill sets you've learned, the self-defense, the, the martial arts, saying, I'm going to set things right? The, almost like the vendetta type thing. Absolutely. Um, said person that raped me when I was nine, I saw him when I was 18. It didn't end well for him. Okay. That's all you need to say. Okay, I, exactly, I wouldn't say yeah. more than that. <laughs> Certainly not on the radio. I, I'm glad to know it's not just me. Cause, and and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'll be 65 very soon. Okay. I still have thoughts every now and then about those guys when I was 10, 11, and 12. Uh, so course. I think it's natural to have that especially when what you went through was so extreme. So you got into martial arts training when you were 11, is that correct? Yes, yes. And you had to pay for it yourself? Absolutely. When we say martial arts, there's so many different disciplines. There's so many different things. I watch periodically. I don't do it too much anymore. I used to watch the MMA fighters, and I'd be amazed at the the violence they could absorb. Never mind what they gave out. They're getting choked. Right. They're getting kicked in the shins. They're getting kicked in the, the thighs. And I'm thinking about my, my wife. I, in my prime, in the best shape of my life when I was a fighter, I could never endure that stuff. Never. <laughs> Yet somehow they find a way to do that. And I think that's a mental switch. It is. You'd be amazed what you can, what you can deal with. I started, it was called East West Bok Fu. It's more Chinese Kempo. I did that for a year. Then I got into American Kempo that I did for years and years and years. And then from that, I got into Japanese Aikido because, remember, Steven Seagal was in right. the movies. And I thought it looked pretty cool. So I did uh, Aikido for years. And then I met my instructor for what I teach now. I teach the Israeli Krav Maga. Um, this is my 23rd year in Krav Maga. And in my class, I mix the Krav with some Aikido. Krav is very, very, very aggressive. They don't let us in the MMA. Krav guys aren't allowed in there to use what we use because we have no rules. We don't lose, period. Well, I got to say this, um, and, and people don't like to hear this. And when I tell my my story, parts of it, as a police officer, there there are there's supposed to be rules. But when it comes to a street fight, there's no rules. Yeah, the only rule is survive. Fine. That's it. That's it. That's it. Um, I, I tell my students the only rule I have is win. Period. That's exactly I, right. I give you, right? Because there, there is no rules. Um, I also, which is weird, um, when we train, which we'll get into a little bit, but when we train, I start people at my level, the current level I'm at today, and I'm a master at what I do. I don't make them start at the bottom of the ladder where I had to start because the violence is at the top of the ladder. 
So I give them the violence right now. This is how you deal with what could happen to you and what is happening daily in our country to so many people, you know, so whether they're elderly Every or disabled day. or children. I have four younger sisters, and, and I taught them very beginning. You're being targeted by people. You prey oh, are looking, Predators are looking for you, and you've got yes. to be decisive. And, and I taught them this little maneuver. It was like you distract them with your left hand. You know, point your finger at their eyes, and when they look at your finger, then you knee them in the groin, and when their head comes <laughs> down, you hit them in the forehead with your knee, and then you run. Run like all get out. Um, and a couple <laughs> of my sisters had to do that. We're, we're just about out of time, and I, I want to focus on your website. Uh, that's cool. tigtactical.com. Uh, what do you do there, and what can people find there? Okay, so TIG, just so we can say, it stands for trust in God, okay? I see a whole different version of what made me who I am today and why I have this strength. I give it all to God. He made me a tough guy. He always let me look for a bigger, brighter picture that I knew I could have. So in my class, I, I work, I, I have regular people off the street that train with me, but I am huge in human trafficking and domestic violence and sexual type cases where I train all of them people for free. I don't want their money. It's not their fault. They were abused right. or raped or beaten. I can't take money from them, so I donate. Um, I have my regular clients that come to me, but we want to be life-changing for those that somewhat wouldn't be able to change their life because I've been there. I've done that. that. Note, I've dealt with it. I want people to go to his website, tigtactical.com. That's spelled T-I-G tactical.com. Hunter, thanks so much for opening up about your story and for being a guest on Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Both very much appreciated. Hey, Jay, thank you so much for having me. I'd like to thank our guests for coming on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. The Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show is a nationally syndicated weekly radio show broadcast on numerous AM and FM radio stations across the country. We're always adding more affiliate stations. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, which is always free, please do me a favor and tell a friend or two or three. I'll be back in just a few days with another episode of the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and Podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.